Welcome to the River of Life Church podcast, your home for weekly messages that will equip you in your spiritual growth. Thank you from everyone here at ROLC and enjoy the sermon. When our kids were very young, Cindy and I loaded everybody up into our station wagon and we took a journey from New Jersey. I was pastoring and we were living in New Jersey at that time. We took a trip from New Jersey all the way to Ontario, Canada, Niagara Falls. We did it all in one day with four little children. That was a challenge, but we made it. I have to tell you, one of the most beautiful and wonderful places we have ever had the opportunity to go. But I, I, as we were approaching and we, we came into the American side of Niagara Falls, then we came where we would cross over uh, the mighty Niagara River and, and go into Canada. And when we pulled up, we were met by people who were monitoring the borders there. So they asked us our reason for coming. Obviously, we were just coming to see their beautiful country and enjoy the splendor of one of the seven wonders. I think it's one of the seven wonders of the world. And then uh, they asked for our passports, providing us with legal entrance and exit from that place. So as we were there going through everything, I really began to look at the analogy as I was preparing for this message that they're actually gatekeepers for that country, for that access point, for that entrance way. They control and determine who or what would come in as well as what would go out. And do you know the same is true for you and for me, our lives? You are the gatekeeper of your life. Look at the person next to you and say, you're the gatekeeper of your life. You determine the comings and the goings over everything entrusted into your care. You're the gatekeeper. You open the door or close it. You choose, think of it this way. We're, we're triune, right? Trichotomy of man, the way God made us, body, soul, and spirit. That means as a gatekeeper, you choose the diet and exercise for your body. You choose the indoctrination, whether academics or spiritual things, of your mind. You choose the focus of your spirit. Joshua said, choose you this day who you will serve. Whether the gods of your father, demon spirits, lies, or the living true God. And that's when Joshua said, but as for me and my house, we will what? Say it to me. Serve the Lord. It's nothing more wonderful. I've been a Christian in next year. Cindy and I were talking about this just the other day. Next year will be my 50th spiritual birthday. I was saved on the first Sunday in January 1974. I can't believe I will be 50 years old spiritually next year when January hits. I want everybody make sure you send me a Facebook happy birthday, spiritual birthday, Pastor Craig. But when I, when I take it, I, I look at my life, I, I'm just so blessed that I made that decision. And you know, from all of that time, since I came to the Lord, I have really sought to be diligent as to what I allow into my life. And, and life is all about choices, isn't it? It's about choices. And so if we see ourselves as a gatekeeper, that means we're the ones that say yes or no to the things or the people that desire to influence our lives. That includes God. We can say yes or no to Him. And it also includes the kingdom of darkness. We can say yes or no to the kingdom of darkness. Again, you are the gatekeeper for that which is not only seen, but also unseen. So let me ask this question. How well are you? And I asked myself the same question before I brought this message to everyone today. How are you monitoring what enters through the gate of your life? Holy Spirit drew me to Ezekiel chapter 44. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 4 as our text this morning. Look at it with me. Bring your Bibles to church. I, I encourage it only because people say, oh, I, I'm not too versed. I, I don't know where the books are. Well, as you just continue to use what you've got, you'll become very familiar. Then it's a nice benefit to have the, the scripts behind us, but it's also wonderful when we become more and more familiar. So I would be lax as a teacher. I'm a teacher and a preacher. So I would be lax as a teacher if I didn't tell you to begin to use 
what you have and become more familiar. All right, Ezekiel 44 verses 1 through 4 read as follows. Then he, this is Ezekiel talking about God, then he brought me back to the outer gate. I want you to take notice of that term, outer gate. Then he brought me back to the outer gate of the sanctuary, which faces toward the east, but it was shut. And the Lord said to me, this gate shall be shut. It shall not be opened, and no man shall enter by it, because the Lord God of Israel has entered by it. Therefore it shall be shut. As for the prince, because he is the prince, he may sit in it to eat bread before the Lord. He shall enter by the way of the vestibule of the gateway and go out the same way. Verse 4. Also, he brought me by the way of the north gate. So we've looked at the outer gate. Now here's the north gate. By way of the north gate to the front of the temple. So I looked, and behold, the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord, and I fell on my face. Do you know God created you, me? He created people, those in his image. He created humanity, the image of the Lord, to fulfill a significant purpose. I've always told people, and it's not rhetoric, it's truth. You are a person of significance. But the key is discovering and allowing that significance, that role, that purpose to be revealed so we can walk in it. Some people are always looking for the grander. Listen to me. When Jesus came, the first breath he breathed in human form in that Bethlehem stable, there was no grander. It wasn't the Ritz, right? There were not dignitaries surrounding him. In fact, no one made room for him. And so his accommodations became a stable. With the aroma of the livestock and everything associated with that. But yet, he was the most significant human being when he took the form of man to breathe the breath of life and to walk the face of this earth. At that time, if people were to have judged the significance of Jesus based on his birth, his dwelling place, and even the financial means of his family, they would have thought to themselves, my goodness, he's just the peasant. He is the working class or even lower of society. You see, people look at the outward, but God knows the beginning and the end. So when you look and see things that way, and when we understand we are the gatekeeper for our lives, how we handle that responsibility determines whether or not the purpose, the significance that God has designed for you, for me, for all of you worshiping and watching online, is fulfilled or not. What does a gatekeeper do? They open and they close. They grant access or they deny access. Gates are for going through and for going out. So as the gatekeeper of your life, let me ask this question. How well are you monitoring what enters through the gate of your life? Don't answer. Just look inwardly. And that's something we all need to self-assess. Sometimes we blame this person or that person. People can commit acts of evil against us. Abandonment, abuse, misrepresentation. Awful things can happen at the hands of others. But our lives are not determined, and our future and our destiny is not determined by what others do against us but rather by the choices we make in spite of when life is difficult. Because I've got to tell you, I've lived, I'll be 67 this August. And out of those 67 years, there have been a lot of wonderful things that have transpired. But I've got to tell you, I've also walked some very difficult valleys, whether health-related, family-related. Life isn't always easy, but God never changes 
So that means he's faithful. Amen? And so based on that, I've allowed my choices. At least I've sought, and each day I seek to do this. Lord, you know my heart. I want to make sure that I am a faithful steward, faithful gatekeeper with what God has given me. And so my choices aren't based upon what I've been through. They're not based upon what I would like to see accomplished, but rather based upon what are you saying, Lord God? Do you know when you find the will of God, the direction of God, the purpose of God, the destiny of God for your life, and you allow Him to reveal it, then you allow Him to direct the steps, the goings, and the comings. You know, you will never be stopped or halted from stepping in to what God has for you. Don't measure what God has for you by your age. If so, Moses would have quit well before going back to Egypt at the age of 80 to lead the Israelites out of bondage and slavery. Your age isn't what matters. It's your obedience that matters. At any age, God is faithful. So how well are you monitoring what enters through the gate of your life? We've seen how when we look at the life of Ezekiel and, and his desire to honor God, God gave him this great vision, this purpose, this significance to fulfill. And he understood that every person controls when to open the gate of their life or when to, in the title of my message, close the gates. That is within our control. In our text, Ezekiel, he talks about, obviously, gates, the outer gate, the north gate. And he begins, and that's where we want to start, with the outer gate. Do you know when you secure the outside, you protect the inside? You leave the doors unlocked, it's not secure. It could give entrance to someone. You leave the door open, it's not secure. It could give entrance to someone or something. When you take and secure the outside, it protects the inside. And this is what Ezekiel is communicating when we look at verses 1 and 2 of Ezekiel 44. He says, then he, speaking of God, brought me back to the outer gate. Everybody say outer gate. He brought me back to the outer gate of the sanctuary which faces toward the east. But it was shut. And the Lord said to me, this gate shall be shut. It shall not be opened. And no man shall enter by it, because the Lord God of Israel has entered by it. Therefore, it shall be shut. Now here, God is speaking to Ezekiel about the temple, about the Holy of Holies, the places of worship, the presence of God, the order of God. But now, because of what Jesus accomplished 2,000 years ago, because he went to the cross and he died and he rose again. We are now, as human beings, those who have professed, confessed Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord, we become, as the Apostle Paul says, the temple of the Holy Spirit. And Paul even expands by saying, don't you know that your body, soul, and spirit are all the temple of God? And it's astounding how there are three areas of the Old Testament temple that began with the tabernacle of meeting that was erected during the time of Moses in the wilderness and then later during David's reign it was the tabernacle of David. It was a place of sacrifice. The outer court, the inner court, the holy of holies. And when we take and we look in our lives now because of Jesus, what the Father's intention always was is true of us. We are now the temple. And the gate of our lives that we must monitor controls what comes into us, whether the temple of God is strengthened, whether the worship and obedience toward God is faithfulness on our part or whether we take because we become negligent for whatever reason 
with the gates of our lives. And there are certain things that gain access, gain entrance, gain influence that cause the Holy of Holies to be disappreciated, depreciated. And so when we look and it says that that area, the outer gate, must remain shut, that gate is referencing the Holy of Holies. Not only there in the temple, but in our lives. That Holy of Holies, when we become Christians, where the Spirit of God takes up residence, where He comes in and takes the throne of our lives, abides and dwells within us, as He did with Jesus during the 33 and one half years He walked on the earth. We are to make sure as gatekeepers that the choices we make, what we allow to pass through the gates of our lives, don't affect the Holy of Holies where the Spirit of God Himself dwells. The gate remains shut, it says in our text, for what purpose? To protect the presence of God. And that's why we need to make sure in our day-to-day living that we monitor the gates and the gates remain shut to where God Himself dwells to anything that would desecrate or grieve the heart of Almighty God, and affect our lives as well. John the Apostle says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, God is light, and in Him there's no darkness at all. That means light and darkness cannot coexist. Cannot happen. Look at it this way. Sin is always the companion of darkness. No, who is the king of the kingdom of darkness? The prince of darkness, Satan. So sin is always the companion of darkness. So when we allow sin to pass through our gates, we are allowing darkness to enter to whatever degree and have access to the Holy of Holies in our lives. And that's when spiritual troubles arise. Bad decisions are made. We find ourselves weakened spiritually. We find that certain influences over our lives that were never there, all of a sudden we're wrestling with this issue or that issue. Why? Because something has infiltrated or come through one of the gates of our lives and affected us spiritually. Just as sin always accompanies darkness, holiness as well is the companion of light. So if sin is allowed to enter through the gate, God will, if it continues, listen to me, this is how serious, this is biblical, this is scripture, the word teaches this. If sin is allowed to enter through the gate of our lives, because light and darkness don't mix, holiness and sin can't dwell together. If sin is allowed to enter through the gate, God will excuse himself from that place. I'm not talking about someone walking away or losing, as some would reference, which is not really a biblical term. You can't lose your salvation. You can renounce it, but you can't lose it. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about the presence of God not being prevalent as He once was in your life. Your sensitivity towards the things of God. The authority that you felt you once walked and all of a sudden it's missing, almost like Samson. He continued to compromise decision after decision after decision till finally when he compromised and let something else into the gate of his life. He finally revealed the secret of his strength, his hair. And then while he was sleeping in a drunken stupor, his head was shaved, didn't even know the presence of God, the anointing of God, demonstrated and manifested through that great strength had left him. And when he awoken out of a sound sleep, and Delilah says, the Philistines are upon us, he said, I will face them as I have done several times before. He didn't even know that he had lost that strength. Sometimes it isn't until we're faced with an overwhelming circumstance or maybe a tragedy, an emergency, a dilemma, And we feel like, I'm not where I once was. 
See, all of it goes back to what we allow to enter through the gateways into our lives. God will not and cannot associate with sin and darkness. Can't do it. We see this referenced again in our text, but a few verses past. Ezekiel 44, 7 and 8. Look at it with me. When you brought in foreigners, this is God speaking to Israel. When you brought in foreigners, uncircumcised in heart and uncircumcised in flesh, to be put in my sanctuary. Now, he's not against people coming into Israel, but it's the idolatry, the sin, the practices, the focus on other gods, the focus on things that are an abomination in the eyes of the Lord. Idolatry, which means the worship of idols, that means other gods other than the one true God. And behind every idol, every false religion, this is important to understand, there is a demon spirit that is motivating and perpetrating that false doctrine. And so when we give way to other things in our lives that find their roots in idolatry, other religions that are considered evil and wrong and blasphemous in the eyes of God, there's a demon behind it, and then that in turn gives an advantage or an area in our lives for that spirit to have an influence over us. Gateways are the difference between success and failure, life and death. So when you brought in foreigners, God is saying, uncircumcised in heart and uncircumcised in flesh, to be in my sanctuary, to do what? Pollute it. Pollute it. I think that word speaks in and of itself. My house, and when you offered my food, it's talking about sacrifices at the altar now. When you offered my food, the fat and the blood, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Throughout the whole Old Testament, blood was shed once a year on the Day of Atonement for the removal, remission of sin. And here, the Holy of Holies is being polluted, the word that God uses. The fat and the blood. Then they broke my covenant because, all your, because of all of your abominations. And you have not kept charge, not been a good steward, gatekeeper, of my holy things. But you have set others to keep charge of my sanctuary for you. You see, a gatekeeper prepares for and protects God's presence. And that's what we need to do in our lives. We don't live in fear. We don't live in law. We don't live like, oh, I hope I don't miss it at any moment. That's not freedom. But we also understand, especially when you've gone through health struggles, I'm very careful regarding what I eat so that as I would not be promoting cancer cells or other types of problems, watching my cholesterol so there are no heart issues. I am very intentional and deliberate with what I eat, not out of fear, but out of wisdom. Understanding even what I eat is a gateway into my body. And so when we understand that we are the stores or the gatekeeper of our lives, we're there to prepare, prepare for and protect our health. But when it comes to spiritual things, we're there to prepare for and protect God's presence in our lives. And when these duties are compromised, you know what it does? It does what Paul says in Ephesians 4.27. Give no place to the devil. When we ignore these principles and we allow our gates to be penetrated because we've not been diligent, we're giving the devil an advantage in our lives. That means anything the devil has on us, we gave it to him as a believer. So it's up to us to deal with the squatter, the one who has entered illegally into God's property, into God's presence. It's up to us to say, enough. 
Cleanse this temple, Holy Spirit. Forgive me. And I evict in the name of Jesus. No longer will I allow this evil or this compromise through the gates of my life to have influence and authority over me. So let me ask, are there areas in your life that maybe you feel the devil has gained an advantage? You've given place to him. If so, just as there is the outer gate that leads into the presence of God, and that is the Holy of Holies, if people are ready to align their lives with what God desires and to be the gatekeeper He has called them to be, then it's time for those people, you and I, to experience the North Gate. The North Gate is a wonderful place. The north gate is filled with much blessing. You'll find the presence of God releases the blessing of God. How many of you believe that? Whenever anyone in Scripture was in the presence of God, if they were sick, they got healed. If they had lack, it was multiplied. Look at when Jesus fed the multitudes. Just a few loaves and fishes. Yet in the presence of God, the loaves and fishes couldn't help but multiply. The demoniac that nobody could deal with when Jesus went to him, the man at the gathering tombs, once he was in the presence of Jesus, Satan and those demons, which name was legion, meaning thousands, lost their grip. The man was set free. You can't stay in bondage. You can't stay sick. You can't even die in the presence of Jesus. Are you hearing me? The presence of God releases the blessing of God. Well, how does that coincide with, you know, the gate in our lives. Because as gatekeepers, we can enhance or we can lessen the presence of God by our choices. Look at Ezekiel 44, verse 4. He, Ezekiel, brought me. He, God, brought me, Ezekiel, by way of the north gate to the front of the temple. So I looked, and behold, the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord, and I fell on my face. When we go in through the north gate, when we go into the presence of God, we can't stay the same. Transformation happens because we are in the presence of God. The north gate is where sin is dealt with. The north gate is where people find cleansing and forgiveness. The north gate is a place of repentance in Scripture. And for us, the north gate is where sin loses its grip. I've been a pastor for four decades now. And with that, I've had many people, three churches I've pastored. And even outside of each church, because I was known in the community, people would speak with me, come to me, and I would give them Jesus. And several individuals would say, why, as a Christian pastor, I do love the Lord, but I continually struggle with the same thing over and over and over again. I do these things and I weep and I cry and say, Lord, new day, forgive me, cleanse me, empower me, strengthen me. And then a few days later or a week later, the same thing happens. It's habitual. It's not my desire, but I just can't get beyond it. Why? And my response is this. If we're not guarding our gates, sometimes influencers, wrong narratives, belief systems, they can find their way through and then they gain a stronghold. And until we take and deal with that stronghold, and until we renew our desire to be the gatekeeper God has called us to be, those struggles will continue. Because being a good steward, a faithful gatekeeper, comes with biblical responsibilities. We're going to get to that in a moment. When you take and you lose someone you love, it can shake your heart. When people feel like they've lost a battle, 
a spiritual battle in their walk of faith. It can break their heart. One individual that experienced this was the woman who was caught in adultery in the New Testament. Here, the religious leaders knew exactly where she was, knew exactly what she did, and they were looking to try and find a way to defame, discredit Jesus. Jesus was a prophet, a priest, and a king. Spiritually, that was who he was and still is. When he came, proclaiming to be Messiah, he was fulfilling, making a declaration of kingship, but he was also looked upon by many as a prophet, and he was. Prophet, priest, and king. That's why he was also referred to as rabbi, and Scripture refers to Jesus as the ultimate high priest of our faith. And so they wanted to defame, discredit his message. And so they knew he preached a message of forgiveness. So how can we catch him on his belief system and discredit him? After finding this woman and bringing her into the midst of the, of the marketplace, throwing her down at the feet of Jesus... Right there where Jesus was, these people, the religious leaders said, she was caught in the act of adultery, this Jewish woman. The law says she must be stoned, but what do you say? They thought they had Jesus because, see, the law said stoning by death, but Jesus preached forgiveness. If Jesus says, well, forgive her, then he's breaking the law. He's not Messiah. They've discredited him. And if he says stone her, then he's broken his own message because he's preaching forgiveness. They had him from their perspective either way. But then when Jesus, after writing in the sand, he got up and he said, you without sin cast the first stone. Didn't address either. He just said, whoever has no sin here, cast the first stone. He would have been the only one who could have cast the first stone. But he released what? Forgiveness and mercy. One by one, all of the accusers left, and finally she's just her on the ground, and, Jesus, and he says to her, Woman, where are your accusers? There are none here, Lord. And then he said, Neither do I accuse you. Here's the key. Here's the key. Here's how you close the gate. He said to her, Go and sin no more. Some of you might be thinking, that's impossible. God never asks us to do what He has not already empowered us to fulfill. He was saying to her, monitor your gate. Maybe she lived that lifestyle in order to provide money. Maybe she had had a husband who died. She was widowed. Whatever the reason, she was on her own outcast and in poverty. So she did what she had to do in order to survive. And isn't that what the world does? Even at the point of breaking God's law as well as the laws of, of humanity and society. Taking things into their own hands because if I don't, I'll never make it. And so Jesus was challenging her with her need... Listen, if you'll seek me first, it's Matthew 6, and my righteousness, then all the needs you have, all these things, I'll add them to you. I'll provide for you. So many times, people compromise the gates of their life because they don't feel there's any other way to have their needs met. No other way to survive. Sometimes people compromise their belief system Especially in the day and age we live now. Because people are fearful if I, if I speak up regarding righteousness, I'll be considered a bigot. And so they cave to the false narratives. They open the gates. And the moment any of us do that, I include myself, we have weakened our spiritual position and it affects the presence of God and the effectiveness of God, not only in us, but through us. I was reading in Christianity Today this past week, 
a well-known, one of the most well-known contemporary Christian music artists in the, in the nation as well as the world. Now publicly in Christianity Today and other areas spoke that they believe that homosexuality is not a sin as long as it is a love relationship between two people in monogamy. Whether opposite gender or same gender. What people have thought regarding homosexuality, according to Scripture, is obsolete. This is what God accepts. Then she and her husband, allowing the wedding and reception to be held on their estate as the niece marries her future wife. Someone caving to the narrative of the world. Why? Either the fear I don't want to lose relationship with this family member, where we put family above God, or the fear of losing their kingdom of, of, of accomplishment in the music industry, because the following will lessen, which will lessen the finance. No one knows the motivation other than God. But bottom line, when we compromise the gates in our lives that the Lord has given us authority over, the outcome can be devastating. It happened in days of old. That's why Ezekiel wrote about this. And it's happening now. Before the Lord's return, Scripture says, just as it was in the days of Noah, it will be before the Lord's return. That's why as gatekeepers, we need to be diligent. And you'll find if you're going to close the gates and protect the presence of God in your life, you know what the first step towards that is? Repentance. Repentance is that first step towards the glory of God is released when we repent. The presence of God is magnified. We see God again. We've removed all of the distractions. We've cleared the atmosphere so we can see through the clouds and all of the other replacements that try to hide God's presence from us. When there's repentance, when we say, Lord, I've not handled my life the way I should. And Lord, I do love you and I desire to be the steward you've called me to be. I want to protect your presence in my life, which I know will make me a better man or woman, will make me a better father or wife, a, be a, 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 a better husband, a better mother, will make me a, a, a better leader in my church, a better leader in my company, a better student and influencer where I'm expanding my academic training. You see, when we take and we desire to be all God wants us to be, just as Daniel refrained, he guarded the gates of his life, and he excelled. He was a man of wisdom, and his countenance was better than all of those around him, and he was promoted to the very side and the assistance of the king. Joseph, who refused to compromise the gateway into his life with sexual sin, with the gods and the idolatry of Egypt. Even though he endured prison and misrepresentation, eventually he was elevated to become the second most powerful man in all of the world. Why? Because when we maintain our commitment and our integrity in our own spiritual walk with God, to be a good steward, a faithful gatekeeper, making sure we're aware. How will this affect my life? Do I really need this? Is this relationship going to make me a better person or is it going to pull me down? Will this new opportunity be advantageous to my walk with God, my role as a parent? Or will it have an adverse effect? You see, when we take everything back as a gatekeeper, what impact will this have? I'm telling you, when you ask God for wisdom, James says, chapter 1, verse 5, if any man asks for wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men with liberality. God is an excess giver when it comes to the things of righteousness. You need wisdom. You need direction. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding, but in all of your ways, every decision, you're the gatekeeper. 
In all of your ways, if you acknowledge him, he will, not might, could, or should, but he will direct your path. He will open doors when they need to be opened. He'll close doors when they need to be closed. All because we take seriously our role as a gatekeeper. What comes in, what goes out. We don't allow outside voices to determine what comes through the gate. We allow God's voice through His Word to determine, and by His Spirit, to determine what comes through the gate. And when we go through the north gate, it gives access to the glory of the Lord. Again, the glory of the Lord, it's life-changing. Here are a few examples in Scripture. Look what happened to Jacob at Penal when he wrestled with God. He encountered the Lord's glory. It was a night of repentance. Figuratively, he had gone in through the north gate. He wrestled with God all night, and he surrendered to God's will. And that night, God changed his name because God changed his heart. He went from Jacob deceiver to Israel, which means God prevails. And it was that night when his name was changed that the name of Israel became the name of a nation. How about Gideon? Here he was. The Midianites had the Jewish people in bondage, slavery. They had confiscated all of their flocks, had taken all of their, their produce, their grains, their vegetation. And so in order for him to put food on the table, he was threshing wheat in a wine press that had been abandoned. And then the angel of God, the archangel of God, shows up and calls him, a mighty man of valor. I'm sure Gideon must have turned around. Are you talking to the person behind me? And there was no one there. And the angel again reinforced, you are a mighty man of valor. When Gideon stopped listening to the narratives of fear, failure, defeat, and began to listen to the word God was bringing through the gate of his hearing, mighty man. The word of the Lord's alive, it's active. And when we're hearing the word of the Lord, when we're seeing the word of the Lord, when we're speaking the word of the Lord, we are giving life to that word in our lives. And Gideon was transformed and went on to become a great judge over the nation of Israel. How about Saul of Tarsus? A persecutor. And then he meant the Lord. He encountered the glory of the Lord. In fact, the glory of the Lord is within the north gate, the Holy of Holies. And when he encountered the glory of the Lord at that north gate as he entered in, God changed him from Saul to Paul, from a persecutor of Christians to a preacher of the gospel. Look at the prayer of Moses. What did he pray in Exodus 33, 18? I pray this prayer too. Please show me your glory. Moses couldn't see the glory of the Lord under the old covenant because the blood had not been laid on the sacrifice of the altar in heaven. That's what Jesus came to do and what he did accomplish. God said to Moses, Moses, right now if you see my glory, you can't continue to live. But I will cause my goodness to pass before you. Some translations say God caused his hind parts and people misinterpret, saying, oh, God exposed his backside to Moses. No, he revealed, theologians, the Hebrew brings out more clearly, his history. The goodness of the Lord is the history of the Lord. And that is when Moses was able not only to pen the law of God, but then write down the history of God from Genesis on. How do you talk about the book of Genesis, beginnings, creation, when you didn't show up to the book of Exodus, speaking of Moses, God revealed his history, the goodness of God. You know, when you see the history of God, it empowers you to believe for the presence of God in your present time. The God who was faithful then will be faithful now. Hallelujah. I'm so glad for that. So let me ask this question. Who here wants to be a faithful gatekeeper? Who watching online wants to be a faithful gatekeeper? You know, King Josiah, 
He's found in Second Chronicles. Was a great king, wonderful man of God. He shows us how. You see, Josiah's father, Ammon, and his grandfather, Manasseh, they were wicked kings. They dishonored the Lord. They opened the gates to every idol, every abomination, every perversion you can imagine. And both of them died young. And now after the death of his father, Ammon, all of a sudden Josiah, at the age of eight, is the king over the nation. Can you imagine an eight-year-old running our nation? Please, no comments. At the age of 16, just as Solomon was 16 when he began to rule, the son of David. At the age of 16, Josiah begins to rule. And it says the first thing he did was he began to abolish, tear down all of the idols. Literal sculptures of pagan gods and he, realizing behind those pagan gods were demon spirits that would perpetuate the false narratives, the false doctrine, the false teaching, the abominable lifestyles. It says he tore them down and he crushed them into powder so there would be no way of rebuilding from the ash what he had destroyed. Then, during that time, the book of the law was discovered. It had been hidden. No one knew where it was during the time of his grandfather Manasseh and his father Ammon. And the book of the law was rediscovered. They found it. Why? Because God did not want his law to be destroyed. And he kept it hidden until a man who had his heart, God's heart, would value that word and use it to rule and reign. And it says every day this young man, a teenager, that's why I say teach your children young. You never know what God will have them fulfill. A position that he may make available. You never know the influence your children will have. And you don't teach them then, it starts now. And when he discovered the book of the law, Scripture says he read it every day. He obeyed it. He instituted it. He reestablished worship and prayer. We see this recorded in 2 Chronicles 34, 33. Look at it. Thus Josiah removed all of the abominations. He was intentional from all the country that belonged to the children of Israel and made all who were present in Israel diligently, not just serve the Lord, but diligently serve the Lord their God. All his days they did not depart from following the Lord God of their fathers. Amen. Do you know if you choose to honor God, if you choose to read His Word faithfully and remove the idols just as Josiah did. I don't have any idols in my life. Do you know many of the false religions that have impacted societies for centuries and even millenniums? Do you know much of the artifacts can be found in places that sell art, decoratives for your home? I was very involved in astrology before I got saved. That's demonic. There are demon spirits associated with that. I had the ring because I was a Leo. Now people ask me, what's your sign? I go, Jesus. When were you born? August. Well, you're a Leo. No, I don't follow that. I tell them. I said, that, that's witchcraft. It is. Don't be fooled. Reading the horoscope is witchcraft. Don't be fooled. Comes from ancient religions connected to idols that will impact your life. Don't seek the stars for your future. Seek the one who fashioned and made them and established them. He will direct your steps. When we remove the idols in our lives and restore the commitment to worship and to honor His Word, then whoever does that will experience the glory of the Lord. In closing, conclusion, I have three words for you. Guard your heart. 
Guard your heart. Guard what goes into it. Guard what we allow to influence. Philippians 4.8 says this. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. That means you're guarding the portal, the gateway of your mind. What we allow to infiltrate our thinking can find its way to the heart. Once it finds its way to the heart, it becomes a motivator in every aspect of our life, whether good or whether bad. That's why Paul is saying, guard your minds, guard your heart. Romans 12 Chapter verse 2 says, don't conform any longer to the ways of the world. Just because the world does certain things doesn't mean it's for us. Well, people will make fun of me. Just because the world laughs, whose laughter do you want to provoke? The joy and the laughter of God or the laughter and scorn? Don't conform any longer, Paul says, to the way of the world, Romans 12, 2. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is a portal. Here's a powerful statement. What you see, what you hear, and what you say, as well as what you touch, they're all gateways to the heart. What we see is a gateway. That's why the enticements of sin, provocative images, people who become hooked on sexual addictions because of what they see or what they hear, all of these things are gateways into the heart. God's Word for all of us. And He spoke this to me first because I could not stand in this platform if it was not embraced by Him my heart first it's time to close the gates close the gates on anything that will harm you that will impact your relationship and your walk with almighty god guard the presence of god in your life guard the anointing of god in your life when you do that it will position you when it says in Scripture, no good thing will I withhold from those who walk uprightly. That means when you don't compromise a gate because you need the money, God then all of a sudden when you're faithful, that's what God, God will turn and all of a sudden He'll say to God the Son, the Father will say to the Son, look at so-and-so. They were faithful. Now let's just pour out some of the abundance of heaven on them right now. Hallelujah. I've known people who have gone to those involved in the occult so that they can find a healing for their body through witchcraft only to find the physical condition worsened. Listen, God is a God of health. Sickness and disease does not come from God. How many believe that? So you seek the Lord for your healing. Praise God for the wisdom He brings to medical professionals and technology that's available. I do thank the Lord for that. But there are times when we need more. There are times when it needs to go beyond. I remember when I had my surgery two years ago. Thank God He's faithful. I said to my surgeon, I said, Doctor, can we pray? She said, absolutely. I love Jesus too. And I was pumped when I heard that. And I prayed and I said, Father, I thank you for my doctor. And I ask now that you will lay your hands on her hands. And you will allow your eyes to become with her eyes. And Lord, you will steady and everything that needs to be addressed will be addressed so that my health will be fully restored. In Jesus' name. Amen. She had tears coming down her eyes. And she says, I believe God heard our prayers. And I said, I know he did too. Well, praise the Lord. Here I am. Healthy, healed, whole. 
declaring the goodness of God. God doesn't make people sick. He wants to bring healing and health. He is the source of all blessing. And when we guard the gates, the gateways to our lives, it will position us for whatever we need at any given moment from the Lord so that we can continue to fulfill what He called us to fulfill. Close the gates. Once they're closed, that's when you ask God, Lord, forgive me. If I've allowed things in, Lord, those things that have crept in, have snuck in through those openings, I renounce them now in the name of Jesus. I ask you to cleanse me from that iniquity in my heart. That includes fear, doubt, unbelief. Sometimes when people look at sin, they just think, well, it's, it's the big ones. Which, by the way, there is nothing declared a big one in the Bible. Sin is sin. We need to renounce fear and doubt and unbelief. That will keep you from the blessing of God. Once we ask for forgiveness, once we ask for cleansing, then say, Lord, fill me again. Didn't Samson do that? Lord, allow my strength to return to me one more time. Well, maybe in the Old Testament, he was the God of one more time. But because of Jesus, he will empower you time and time and time and time again, he will restore to you above and beyond all that you could ever think or imagine. That's our God. All you need to do is close the gates. And I want to say this, and then we're going to pray for people. I had someone call me the other day, and they had experienced a neurological issue. Their sixth cranium had been attacked, damaged by a virus, something happened. And it left the individual with double vision and blurred vision. It had been a few weeks. Nothing had cleared. Nothing really was changing. Maybe a little progress, but couldn't quite tell. I felt led to call this individual because I'm very close with them. They don't live in this area. They live out of state. But I called the individual and just began to share I was praying for them. And then he said to me, he goes, you know, when this hits... I wake up, the anxiety, the fear is so overwhelming. I just go in the other room and I, I read the word. I said, amen, that's good. And I go back to sleep. And I said, let me draw an analogy for you. And I, and I want all of you to hear this and those of you online hear it as well. I said, when we read the word, that's the fuel. The word of God is like the wood for the fire. But then what happened on the day of Pentecost? When the 120 in the upper room who were gathered there waiting on the outpouring of God's Spirit, when the Spirit of God was released from heaven to earth, Scripture says, cloven tongues of what? Fire. I said, it's great that you're loading up the altar with wood, with the Word of God, the fuel. I said, but now you need to light the flame. I want to encourage you to begin praying in tongues as well when you pray for your healing. Combine spirit and word, fire and wood, and the two combined will produce an explosion. That was a Friday night. On, and, I, and then I said this, and, and now I know it was the Holy Spirit prophesying. Sometimes you'll speak, you don't even know God's speaking through you. And that's good because we don't want to get inflated and think we're, we're this big prophet. God is the source of everything. Just speak what he says. Amen. And you'll find out the other benefits later. But the next, I said to him, I said, you may even find tomorrow when you wake up or during the day that everything has been restored and returned. On Sunday, he connects with me. And he said, Pastor, just as you said, that next day, a few hours into the day, all of a sudden, all of my sight returned. The double vision was gone. The blurred vision was gone. I drove to the gym and worked out. Amen. That's a spiritual thing. Can I hear an amen? And he goes, I've not had any more issues. He goes, I heard you when you said, pray in my prayer language. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I know it lit 
the altar of God on fire. When we do things God's way, some people say, well, church I go to doesn't believe in that. Well, the Bible I read does, so I preach it. Amen. What people speak through our gateways will determine our faith level. What can I say? So now I want to open these altars up. I want to open these altars for you as gatekeepers for your life to come and say, Lord, I want to be the gatekeeper you've called me to be for my life. So Lord, right now, anything that has entered through my gates that dishonors you, I want you to cleanse it from me. Lord, restore me. Lord, use me. I will be faithful with my life. I will be faithful with my thoughts. I will be faithful with my yes and my no. Amen. Thanks for listening to the River of Life Church podcast. Subscribe and rate us right now on iTunes to be first to get access to new audio messages every week. Visit rolcdoylestown.org or like us on Facebook to always stay up to date on what's going on at ROLC. If you would like to support this ministry, visit the online giving page at our website. Join us next time for more from River of Life Church.